Hello, this is Derek Ray, and you're listening to Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another full episode of Bavarian Podcast Works on what is thankfully not a snowy day in New England, where I'm absolutely wrecked, having shoveled tons of snow, and I am joined today by someone that would have a little bit of sympathy for that as a fellow New Englander, Jefferson Fenner. Jake, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing fine, Tommy. Uh, I'm kind of like eating dinner halfway through doing this podcast, uh, but... Yeah, it's been a it's been a slow day so far. Nothing too good, but it's been nice and sunny and warm today. So thank, thank God for that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, sitting down and talking with you about some big things that have been happening. Absolutely, and as we know, Bayern Munich are finally back into the win column. The vibes are back. We're all feeling good after coming off of two consecutive losses in the Bundesliga, and we've got plenty to discuss tonight. But before we get into that, we have to start this podcast off by wishing a very, very, very special birthday to a very, very special and important someone to Bayern Munich. And, of course, just off of me saying that, I know that a lot of you will know who I'm talking about. Of course, it's our very own Hansi Flick, who today, February 24th, 2021, at the time we were recording, has turned 56, probably one of the biggest birthdays on the Bayern Munich calendar. So Jake and I thought that to start this episode, we would just kind of each kind of pick out our Hansi Flick moment, so to speak, ever since he's joined the club in November of 2019, replacing Nico Kovac. And wow, what a ride it has been since Hansi Flick has taken charge of the club. The treble last year, on pace for two more trophies this year. And a lot of us had question marks when this decision was made, when we didn't go out and get a bigger quote-unquote big-time coach. And look at where we're at now. So, Jake, I just want to know, it seems like so much more time has passed than really has, and so much has happened. But for you, is there one moment that you can pick out and say, that's my favorite Hansi Flick moment ever since he's joined this club? I don't think it was Hansi that specifically did this, but it had to be the meme of when he kept the same facial expression throughout the entirety of the Bayern Barcelona game, the 8-2, when he just didn't look that happy with the team. And it was a meme where it just goes, Bayern 1-0, Hansi with a straight face. Bayern 5-0, Hansi with a straight face. Bayern 25-0, Hansi with a straight face. So that is probably my favorite meme of Hansi's, the constant meme material that he can bring forth into this world is phenomenal and I love every second of it and I think that might have to be the thing it might have to be how memeable our head coach is and how much I appreciate that from him what's yours Tom now I know when Chuck listens to this he's going to absolutely love that and if he were here he would 100% piggyback off of that uh, and give Hansi Flick all the credit for his uh, quote-unquote dad fashion attire with his polos and his his uh his jackets uh and and his simple pants and jeans but for me you know in my head I was I was thinking of after we had knocked out uh Lyon in the semifinals of the Champions League and in the dugout it was him Leon Goretzka Thomas Muller and Joshua Kimmich just talking tactics not even celebrating the win whatsoever uh but to kind of not copy you and, and go in that same vein I would say most recently, one of the things that really stuck out for me, and I personally had written about this when the story came out, is when we had won the FIFA Club World Cup. Obviously, that was the trophy that completed the quote-unquote sextuple, the sixth trophy technically of the season, even though it came uh, in this calendar year of 2021 when FIFA had somehow just completely botched their medal count, didn't have enough medals for everyone, and instead of taking his own medal, he handed his medal before or after he was walking up the podium to Manuel Neuer, the captain, uh, when he was on his way up the podium before lifting the FIFA Club World Cup. And to me, that was just a huge sentimental moment because that marked uh, the end of what was absolutely an incredible season that we may not ever get to see again with all things considered. You know, coronavirus putting a pause to action for at least two months, uh, coming into an uncertain situation, uh, quote-unquote crisis mode at Bayern when Nico Kovac was gone. None of us would have ever envisioned uh, 
everything that would have transpired over the next 12 months uh, into now. And so for me, that's just one of the moments that sticks out his selflessness, the connection that he has with his team and each and every individual player and how well he's been able to uh, keep this Bayern train rolling, so to speak, and, and keep us in sensational run of form and keep us, put us back on our pedestal in Europe where we rightfully belong. And for me, that's just the moment that sticks out the most. It, but I know a lot of our listeners are probably saying it's impossible to pick out just one because uh, what this man has done for the club is is nothing short of immaculate and incredible. So, Hansi, if you ever tune in to Bavarian Podcast Works, which I'm sure you definitely do on a weekly basis, danke für alles, and we hope that everything continues on in the same vein. And keeping the good news train rolling, Jake, coming off of the heels of a fantastic performance in Rome against Lazio in leg one, Jamal Musiala, after scoring in that match, has just announced today that he has chosen to play for Germany and Joachim Love instead of Gareth Southgate in England. Because remember, he had dual eligibility, and for a while, there was teeter-tottering between the two. Both sides were trying to sway him to join. And is about to complete a contract extension at Bayern Munich. With this, Jake, so just, just give me your reaction to this news. Is this... Uh, if you're a Germany fan, how excited should you be? And if you're an England fan, how disappointed should you be, if at all? I want to start by talking about the Germany perspective. I think this is a perfect move for Germany, for Musiala, for Joachim Love, and for the future of both Die Mannschaft and for uh, Jamal, right? It is a great move. It is an excellent move because... Weirdly enough, we're at a point where England has more midfielders that you could arguably slot into the uh, three Lions starting 11, more so than than Germany at least, right? Like, I think about it. There's something we're going to talk about a little bit later about shortening down on the pool of midfielders, right? So for now, you don't have somebody like Thomas. Uh, you don't have Mesut Ozil either, right? But what you do have is, like, Gunduan and Kimmich and Lars Stindl and uh, Florian Neuhaus and uh, Julian Brandt and Leon Goretzka. So you've got a lot of midfielders, right, that could fit into this side, right, that are very good players, right? Jamal for the future, can probably supplant a couple of those because he's a lot younger than a lot of the players that I had just mentioned. So while those other players can occupy a position now, Jamal could arguably occupy a spot in like the Germany Olympic team, but he'll also be able to occupy those further positions in the future, right? He'd really have to compete with a lot of people in this England squad, right? So just going to the England Wikipedia page... Right, the England national team Wikipedia page, and looking at the players that got recently called up in their midfield. You have Mason Mount, Declan Rice, Harry Winks, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, and Jude Bellingham. Right, You also have to consider Jordan Henderson gets some good run in there as well, James Ward-Prowse. So a lot of those players, especially a couple of the ones that I mentioned, Grealish is 25, Winks is 25, Rice is 22, as is Mason Mount, Phil Foden is 20. Jude Bellingham is 19. James Ward-Prowse is 26. They still have a lot of run left in them. And that's not to say that Musiala is not better than any of them or wouldn't be able to supplant any of them. But keep in mind, I'm not mentioning names like Deli Alley in this. I'm not mentioning names of other fantastic uh English midfielders. There's a logjam of midfielders that England could use now and in the future. That's not a similar issue that Germany has. So I think for him to make the move to Germany, it's a good move. It's a smart move. It's the move that I would make being unbiased in all of this. So I think it's the right move. It's a good call. Good on Joachim Love to keep pushing after him, good on the DFB for pushing after him, and let's hope, 
that he pans out well at Bayern and that he's able to make an impact on the German national team sooner rather than later. It's interesting to look at this full circle and for all that's gone wrong for Die Mannschaft, let's say from Russia 2018 onward, it's it's difficult to sit here and, and praise Joachim Love for anything, but we have to remember that his whole premise and his standpoint uh, from 2018, I should say, the World Cup, the UEFA Nations League, which was obviously a disaster shortly thereafter, and then we all know uh, the dreaded move of dropping Boateng, uh, Mats Hummels, and Thomas Muller came shortly thereafter. In between, uh, leg one and two for Bayern Munich against Liverpool in the Champions League in 2019, mind you. Uh, but his whole premise was he wanted to get younger players integrated into the squad. He wanted to make sure there was... Uh, still a core of veteran players, but putting a real strong emphasis and a focus on integrating younger players into the squad. Uh, German fans who have been around for a long time will all know uh, the grassroots movements behind Das Reboot, putting an emphasis on youth academies, youth development, all the way back in the early 2000s. And it obviously came to pay dividend when they lifted the World Cup title in Brazil in 2014. And I think uh, a player like Jamal Musiala deciding to play for Germany instead of England is, is kind of... Uh, indicative of moving in that direction without giving Love all the credit because we have to remember too, Hassan Salihamidzic was a big part of convincing Musiala to come to Bayern from Chelsea's books, remember, because uh, that's where he was before he joined Bayern. So there was certainly a lot of pressure from both sides from Musiala, and especially as a young kid uh, his age, it, it could be very difficult to try and make the decision, but I think everything is set up uh, for him to make the right paths uh, to continue to have the right development, especially at Bayern, where pretty much, as Uli Honus had always said, he wants FC Bayern to be FC Deutschland, which, as we know, there's always a very, very large contingent of Bayern Munich players in the German setup, obviously now bar Muller. Uh, but for all of those reasons, Jake, and as you mentioned, looking at the England setup, it just seems like getting him integrated into the, the senior team there would just take much, much longer than it would for Germany, just given the talent that they have. As you mentioned, Jack Relis, uh, James Madison, Mason Mount, uh, Jaden Sancho, Phil Foden, just littered with talent and, and players that are in amazing form. Even Ross Barkley might even get a shout. I'm not sure if Southgate would go that far. It might be a stretch, but you know, since he's moved to Aston Villa, his form is, has definitely taken a big spike. Uh, so for all those reasons, Jake, as you mentioned, absolutely spot on, and I, I think this is the right decision with him. Uh, for him, and I think a lot of people will agree with us that this was the right move, and they're very excited for that. And just judging off of the reaction from our, our post that we had written earlier and just on social media, it seems that that is the general consensus, uh, except for maybe a few upset England Three Lions fans, but that's okay. We can deal with the, uh, the British pessimism a little bit uh, if it's going to be a good decision like this. Uh, so congrats to uh, Musiala for making that decision and bright things coming in the future, both for Bayern and for Germany. And now, Jake, since we're on the topic of Die Mannschaft, another very, very interesting story broke from Build a little bit earlier today, which we covered, I would say, around 3 p.m., 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So this story is pretty fresh. And what it said was that Joachim Love was actually now somewhat considering bringing Thomas Muller back to the German national team. And now this would be for the European Championships and this, uh, or excuse me, next month, the end of next month when Germany starts their World Cup qualifying campaign would be too early. But looking down the road into this summer, it's something that he now said he's considering. And there are a lot of German players, German midfielders that are in good form. But Jake, do you see this transpiring? Do you see this happening? We all know that Thomas Muller is playing sensationally well for Bayern right now. It's unfortunate that he has COVID uh, and is recovering from it, but we all know he deserves a shout in this team. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. If you look at what Thomas Muller has done over the last couple of years and you still believe that he doesn't deserve a starting spot in the national team, I would highly recommend going to an optometrist because you'd need your eyes checked. All right, bare minimum, you'd need to get that done. You might have to go get an MRI done because you might have brain damage if you think that Thomas Muller doesn't deserve to be at least in consideration for a starting spot on Die Mannschaft, right? He has been the most underrated player on this Bayern Munich team. And I know we talk our praises a lot, but 
it's very i'm reminded of something that michael jordan said in the michael jordan documentary when he said when you speak michael jordan you speak scotty pippen to me i think that if robert Lewandowski is michael jordan then thomas muller is scotty pippen and if you go ahead and keep him out of this starting lineup a fully healthy thomas muller on purpose you are depriving your team of one of its best players. I'm not going to come here and say that he's the best player on the German national team. I think you could make an argument for it, but I'm not going to be making that argument right now. I will say the man set the Bundesliga assist records last year. He had one of the best seasons of anyone, and he wasn't even considered for the Ballon d'Or of last season. So, to me, it's good that Love has finally woken up from his grand illusion that he doesn't need Thomas Muller to be in the starting lineup. And now I just hope that that action actually happens because uh, I don't know if you've seen a lot of Germany's friendly games or their European qualifying games. They probably need somebody like Thomas Muller there right now, and they probably needed them for those games then. So thank God that he's considering bringing him back because it's a long time coming and it's absolutely necessary that he does this. It's so funny that you know we joked in our Slack channel a little bit earlier today after this post had gone live. This today just coincidentally turned into like uh, Bavarian Demannschaft works because there was so much news breaking regarding the German national team. And uh, just before that, I had written a piece about AZ and, and their piece. They were speculating, you know, is the success and, and the sensational form of Manchester City's Ilkay Gundogan potentially something that is uh, keeping love, uh, keeping love, excuse me, from recalling Muller to the national team because he's kind of set on having Tony Cruz and Joshua Kimmich as his holding midfielders in the German setup. So there's, uh, really no need to find anyone else to, to bonify those roles. You have Leon Goretzka as well. Emre Chan, if he decides to call him back up, can play defense as well as central midfield. Julian Brandt has been playing some deeper roles for Borussia Dortmund lately. He's always an option there. And Pep Guardiola has been playing Gundogan in a more advanced position, which is, uh, Jake, you can, you can back me up on this if you agree, but I, I would say most German and Bayern fans would agree that Thomas Muller's best role is centrally uh, just behind a striker, as you mentioned, being the Scotty Pippen to uh, the Robert Lewandowski, Michael Jordan, which I, I love that analogy because I think it's very true. That's something I think is spot on and I agree with. Uh, so it, it's kind of in the same issue where Musiala would have a lot of difficulties breaking into the senior team with England because of the amount of players in a like-for-like position that are in fantastic form. And obviously so much can happen between now and the time that uh, both Love and Southgate go to make their final rosters for the European Championships. But for me, I, I agree with your testament. It's just ridiculous to be leaving a player of Thomas Muller's caliber and of Thomas Muller's consistent, the keyword consistent form for Bayern Munich out of the German national team. And some of our commenters on our pieces, you know, they've made the point is it really now just more of a point of he doesn't want to, at this point, like triple backtrack and kind of uh, back down from his morals and, and admit he was wrong? You know, part of me thinks that there's so much more that goes into it, but the more and more Muller does well and keeps performing for Bayern and doesn't get a shout in the German national team, the more I think that's actually like a little bit true. They'll say one thing in front of the cameras and in their press conferences, but... Uh, you know, that could just be lip service. That could just be being diplomatic and being respectful to the professionals uh, and, and making sure they're not getting distracted from their performances for their clubs. But, I mean, Jake, I don't know if you feel the same. Is, is this perhaps just some of that? Do you think that might be part of the reason why we haven't seen Thomas Muller suit up for Dimanschaft? And now that we're getting closer to the Euros, he's realizing he might not have a choice and he will be under the crosshairs, so to speak, if he doesn't bring him in Germany, absolutely flounder uh, this summer. I think that Love is the kind of person that is very resolute in the, in his decisions. And so I really think that once he made the decision to cut him and Boa and Mats Hummels from the team, that it was a belief that he should start bringing more young players in, which I'm in favor of. 
but to completely deprive yourself of the opportunity to start one of the better German players out there is nonsense. And I think, sure, like, he probably felt a little bit of pressure there. Sure, he probably would have needed to consider him at some point, and now is as good of a time as any, but... Whether or not he felt pressure to is not the question. The bigger question is what would have happened if you were able to start Thomas Muller in any of those positions? I would say over somebody like Goretzka, who was a little bit out of position in center attacking midfield, or Julian Brandt, who isn't always a good central attacking midfielder. He can be there, but he's also comfortable on the wings, and he's played a little bit out of position at Borussia Dortmund and at that position. So to me, I think that bringing him in is a mat it was a matter of time before he brought him in and i imagine he felt pressure from a lot of places and now that he's potentially considering using all of the tools that are available to him that it's a good thing but if he doesn't and germany flounder then he has to go if he does in germany flounder then he still has to go but that's a conversation for another time and for a couple of months from now when the Euros are finally done and over. Oh, yeah, and we can get into that when the time comes. Jurgen Klopp, next German manager, maybe even Hansi Flick when he's done with uh, his time at Bayern. But, and, and not for nothing either, Jake, but you mentioned Boateng as well, and I, I think most of us can agree his form since he's been dropped from the German national team has been expectedly, or I should say unexpectedly far better than we would have expected I think he's been very consistent for us, and I think he stood in when a lot of us thought, you know, his time at Bayern Munich was was kind of done, and his days were numbered, and he would be moved on elsewhere. But uh, credit to him for sticking with it, and uh, maybe he's another player that uh, Love will inevitably wind up uh, reconsidering when we get closer to the summer. But as we know, Joachim Love, Oliver Bierhoff, the inner workings of the DFB, uh, the politics, the bureaucracy that surrounds it, we could literally talk until we're blue into the face for hours and hours about that. But that's not what we're going to do. So now we're going to move on uh, to the Ask BPW segment. And we will get right into that after this commercial break. And so we are going to get right into Ask BBW. And when we start this segment, I just have to start off by saying really appreciate all of the questions that came in so quickly. I thought that this was one series where uh, this particular time, a lot of the questions uh, and the caliber of each question was very, very good. Uh, it's going to give Jake and I a, a decent amount to discuss, and I'm very excited to get into these topics. Uh, so without further ado, we will go ahead uh, and get into the first question. And since we were on the theme of Jamal Musiala, uh, Thomas Muller, the DFB, the German national team, we will start off with a question that was sent in by at Tertullian's Tur1. I apologize if I pronounced that wrong. But they ask, how do we hold in tension the continued extreme success of Thomas Muller and the rising phenom of Musiala? How much longer do we envision Muller commanding that starting 10 spot for Bayern, and when do we envision the coming sad day of seeing his starting spot slowly start to dwindle away to Musiala in what would be sort of a changing of the guard? It's a tough question, uh, and to me, I don't think you bench Thomas Muller until you give him a reason to, and it's very hard to project how good a player going further into their 30s will be. And in my opinion, any chance that you possibly get to play good beyond the age of 31 is a miracle if you can play very well. And I think we see that in a lot of players, right? First one that comes to mind would be uh, Jonas Hector, the captain of uh, FC Kohn. He's in his late 30s or his mid 30s, and he is still the best player on that Kohn team. And he's still the captain of that team, right? I look at Jerome Boateng, right? He wasn't really that great in his 30-year-old season. Last year in his 31-year-old season, he was fantastic. This year so far, he's doing pretty well for himself as well. And I consider most of those 
to be better than what is normally expected of a player of that age. Thomas Muller, now into his early 30s. How much longer is he going to be good? We don't know. But here's what I would say to the point of Musiala. When I was thinking that Bayern should buy Kai Havertz, I envisioned him doing what Jamal Musiala is doing right now, in that he gets some playing time, he gets some starting time in some cases, but mostly he's learning. He's taking a step back. He's playing about as well as he possibly can, and learning from one of the best midfielders to ever do it isn't the worst thing in the world. So, right, Musiala's 17, right? I can't imagine a lot of players that at this age are able to get consistently good playing time. For example, if that see Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham isn't getting consistent every game starting time for Borussia Dortmund. He's still learning from players like Marco Reus, learning from players like Julian Brandt. So I think with Jamal right now, we shouldn't throw our expectations on top of him. But we should appreciate him for what he is right now. A very good prospect. It was a miracle we were able to find him and get him and that he was able to develop into what he is right now. But we should not put high expectations on him because if we take... I don't know. I'm an American. I'll just throw someone random out there. I guess the first failed prospect to have high expectations off the top of my mind. I don't know. Let's call it Freddy Adu. Right, If we throw Freddie Hadou expectations on top of him, he could either be the next Pele or it can be Freddie Hadou. And that's not to shit on Freddie Hadou because the media's tough and sometimes players can't match up to expectations. So that's all I'm saying, that we should pump the brakes on Musiala's expectations. If he puts in great performances, that's fantastic. But let's not go ahead and expect him to be the heir apparent to Thomas Muller because if we do that and he is, then we've surprised ourselves. If we do that and he doesn't and we shit on him, then we have ourselves to blame for putting that expectation on this kid's head. Look at Mario Götze. Who's being tagged as the German Messi in the lead up to the World Cup. And then he scored the winning goal in the World Cup. And then what happened? He did not fit well at Bayern. He went back to Dortmund. He did not do well at Dortmund. And now he's experiencing a career resurgence at PSV Eindhoven. So let's not have ourselves another Mario Goza where we throw too much expectation on somebody's head. And then we get mad at them when it doesn't pan out the way that we expected it to. Yeah, Jake, I'm glad you actually ended that question that way because I was just going to start off by saying, you know, it, it's unnecessary to overhype and you know, blow our expectations out of proportion. And someone had reminded me of that when I had uh, retweeted from our account earlier today, just the uh, the video of people trying to take pictures of him. As we know, he was being picked up from his mother from Sabiner Strasse, as he still does, like an absolute boss. I absolutely love that. Um, but someone just kind of uh, kindly reminded in the comments, you know, they would prefer that all the reporters and the press leave him alone so that he doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't do anything to his head. It doesn't distract him from the task at hand and, you know, it doesn't get his feet off the ground, so to speak. Because um, as we know, like you would use the analogy of an American soccer player. They so often have a tendency, especially Americans in the Bundesliga, have a tendency to be a tendency to be overhyped, overexaggerated. Uh, and then people get a little bit infuriated and a little bit disappointed when those uh, when their performances don't meet those expectations. So that's exactly uh, a point that everyone should kind of hone in on, that we can't put the weight of the world on his shoulders right just yet. Uh, and just looking at the first part of that question, you know, how do we hold intention the continued extreme success of Muller and the rising phenom of Musiala? I just look at that as a luxury. You know, I, I don't think that's a question that needs to be answered, right? Uh, and Jake, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I can recall earlier in the season, Musiala has played a multitude of different positions. We've seen him in the middle of the three, right? A la Lan Goretzka or Quarantan Tolisso, more towards the beginning of the season when Hanti Flick you know, put him there, either as a sub or as a, as a, I think pretty much a sub. I don't believe he started any matches at the beginning of the season, but I thought he played to great effect there. He can come from a little bit deeper. I personally think he has the ability to play wide, as I believe he did uh, as a sub in the FIFA World Club World Cup final, albeit very, very briefly. 
But that's kind of one of the things I'm thinking about when it comes to Musiala. And for me, Thomas Muller is like a fine wine or like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's just going to get better with age. So I don't see any end in, in recent season sight to him occupying that number 10 role to great effect. At a certain point, we'll have to start to monitor his minutes and perhaps rotate his matches. But if I'm a betting man, I'm I'm saying you're get, we're going to get at least a couple more solid seasons out of Thomas Muller and uh, Musiala will be able to slot in wherever he can, wherever Hansi Flick needs him, and perhaps even whoever the next manager is going to be after that. So uh, it's a very luxurious thing for uh, Hansi Flick and for Bayern to have, uh, especially with Musiala coming to fruition at such a young age. And let's just hope that it doesn't fizzle out for him and that he continues on in the same vein and you know starts making an impact for Diemannschaft as well. So thank you for that question. The next question we're going to get into comes from at NYGerman47, and they ask, what does Corentin Tolisso's unfortunate injury mean for his future with the club? Uh, I've gone on record before saying that I love Corentin Tolisso. I've also gone on record in the last couple of months saying that I think that it's a good idea for him to move on. I think the only thing that this injury does is it possibly lowers his transfer value for when he leaves the club. I really don't think that the injury will have a massive effect on his playing career. At least I hope not. Uh, but I don't think that a lot of that playing career is going to be at Bayern from this point on. Uh, I love him. I appreciate him for what he has done. I just think that it's probably better for him to move on and find a better club. Uh, not to mention... Bayern has themselves been on, not necessarily on record, but they've been rumored to be going after other midfielders who would occupy a similar role that Tolisso does. So, to me, we'll just see. But I don't think he'll play for Bayern again this year unless Bayern makes it all the way to the final and then somebody is injured in the final. But... It'll be sad to see him go. It is sad to see him go like this. And I hope that he recovers quickly. But I I highly doubt that he will be playing in, I'll say, at least the Bundesliga for the rest of this season. Yeah, Jake, as, as much as I love him and every time I, I think of him, I think of him celebrating his goal against PSG a la 2017-18 season and you know that absolute ripper against Atletico Madrid earlier this season in the Champions League it's just an unfortunate injury and all things considered I, I just think everything is working against him in this instance the in, the injury is so unfortunate I should have added in the beginning that he's out for at least three months so as you mentioned he is in jeopardy of missing uh, the rest of the season unless we do progress quite far into the Champions League then he might uh, have a shout at being back involved in the in the team uh, at that point. But, you know, heavily, heavily, heavily interested in Borussia Mönchengladbach's Florian Norhaus. One week, it seems as if a transfer or an agreement in principle is getting closer between us. The next week, it kind of fizzles out. We know it, it's silly season uh, as far as the transfer market is concerned, and it just looks so different now as a result of the coronavirus. So God knows what's going to happen in that respect, but I think it's clear that they're in the market Byron for another central midfielder and they've made that clear as well as uh, a right back and, and a few other positions but uh, they also have to consider you know his contract expires at the end of next season so Jake as you mentioned the transfer value potentially going down with such reduced minutes this season I mean they might have to Byron that is they might have to cut their losses at a certain point I'm not sure if he has a release clause in his contract or what that might be but they have to look at you know getting the most they can for him while they can uh, and, and just Personally, for him, I would hope that he finds somewhere, perhaps going back to Ligue 1, uh, going elsewhere in the Bundesliga, somewhere in the Premier League where he can get consistent minutes and you know, constantly be involved for Le Bleu, uh, the French national team, Didier Deschamps. You know, I would hate for him to miss out on those matches just because of the injuries he's had with Bayern and you know, not being able to supplant Kimmich or Goretzka uh, or whoever it may be, but... I have to agree with you, Jake. I think this injury is unfortunate for him. I think the decision may have already been made uh, prior to this. I know Hansi Flick has come out and said that 
you know, they're 100% going to support Tolisso and that he knows what he's capable of. But what else are you supposed to say when a player gets injured? Oh, yeah, by the way, he's injured and we're probably going to sell him this summer. That's just not something you would do. Uh, but I trust Hansi Flick, Hassan Sadehamidic, Bayern's board to make the right decision in that regard. And that's where my faith is going to lie. And Tolisso, get better, speedy recovery, and all the best in the future, whether it's with us or someone else. Now this one, this is actually one of my favorite questions, Jake, that we're going to get into because we've seen some of this. And it comes from at Reet De King, And they ask, do you see a future for Niklas Zula at right back? No. I honestly think that he is a right back out of necessity. I think that he's better at center back. I think he's a good right back, but that does not make him a good right back. If that if that makes sense, he's a good right I I like to think of it in this way, right? Nicolas Sula to right back is not Alfonso Davies to left back. In Alfonso Davies, they had a left midfielder, but they had a left back that they were able to pull out of him and now he's the best left back in the world. With Sula, I think he is a center back that can play right back if necessary, and it's been very necessary that he's been right back for a little while. I still think Bayern need to go after somebody else. I still think that they need to either move on from or find a replacement for Benjamin Pavard. And in the meantime, in between time, Nick Sula can play right back. And, I mean, so far he's looked pretty decent. He's looked pretty decent at right back, but do I think that his future is there? Nah. Nah, I, I, really, I really don't think so. I, I love him to death, but I think he's a better center back. And I think that they're going to put him at center back if they move on from... Boateng either in this year or in the years to come I think that's his position to lose and in the future years I think we'll see that pretty clearly yeah I have to agree Jake I think it was purely out of necessity from Hansi Flick's perspective I think if Benjamin Pavar was available he probably would have started at right back uh, against Lazio and probably against uh, Frankfurt as well I believe he missed that game I don't know why I know this stuff in my head, and of course I'm drawing a blank now that I'm talking about it uh, on the airwaves, but yeah, I have to agree. Although it is funny kind of to see him bomb down the flanks, uh, and I remember seeing a few tweets flying around uh, yesterday saying that FIFA needs to update his dribbling and his skills <laughs> his skills level because there was a couple times where he was actually trying to dribble around a couple players and without criticizing his physique or his size at all, just... It looks a lot funnier <laughs> than when Kimmich or Leon Goretzka is dri trying to dribble past players when he is. <laughs> so it's that's something that I kind of chuckled about when I saw this question. Um, but credit to him. I think he stood firm. Uh, I can remember him doing very well against Moussa Diaby uh, in the win against Leverkusen last night uh, in Rome against Lazio. A few other instances where he stepped in and, and done a job at right back when Hansi Flick has, has asked it for him. But... Just as you mentioned, I think his future is center-back. I think he's a natural center-back. We have to anticipate for David Alba leaving. We're not sure, as you said, of the future of Jerome Boateng at the club. So I think his future at Bayern uh, is at center-back. And obviously there's a few clubs sniffing around him. Chelsea are very interested in signing him, uh, which I hope they don't. I would love to see uh, Niklas Zula at Bayern for a long time at center-back position. And Jake, as you mentioned, hopefully uh, Bayern can can go out and, and try and find uh, reinforcements or a backup that's a little bit of better quality and caliber than Buonasar for Benjamin Pavard. I, I recently, I think it was yesterday or the day before, I had written about us being in the market still for Norwich City's Max Aarons, which their CEO pretty much confirmed that he would be leaving Norwich City this season. Um, I know Everton and Manchester United are also in that race, but... Uh, hopefully Carlo Ancelotti doesn't just hypnotize Norwich with that eyebrow raise that we all know and love and remember from his time at Bayern. Uh, but Jake, it looks like you're about ready to say something. You could feel free to add something to that. I was about to say, as far as I'm aware, we only have one right back and he has COVID. And I don't know of any other right back that plays. Oh, wait, no, sorry. 
We loaned the other one out to Hoffenheim. That's where our second right back went. But as far as I'm aware, I don't know of another right back that plays for Bayern Munich. There's been a couple of times where Hansi has only started 10 men, and then he'll bring on Joshua Kimmich for something called a Bunasar, and I don't know what that is, but as far as I'm aware, whenever you put Bunasar on the pitch, you're playing with 10 men. And for a little while in that Lazio game, we went down to 10 men, and I was a little bit scared, but no. I, I mean... Joking aside, I imagine Bunasar is a fantastic person, and all I have done these last couple of months is utterly destroy this man's, like, character and reputation, and I don't want to seem like a person that is, like, a bad person, right? I imagine Bunasar could probably kick my ass in anything related to soccer that is not even a hesitation of a question. But what I will say right now is that while he might be a quality player, he is nowhere near a Bayern quality player. He's probably, I would say I could see him as a good fit as like a a Freiburg or a, or a Hoffenheim, maybe, maybe somebody like Köln, but definitely not anywhere near the top half of the Bundesliga table. And the fact that they signed him to a four-year contract makes this even worse. Yeah, I mean, the odds are always against him. He's always asked to step in and, you know, to a team that he's not quite used to playing with. Uh, but, Jake, we have to remember, he was in the in the 3-2 win over Borussia Dortmund in, in the fall. I believe he started and played the full 90 minutes, if that's his claim to fame at Bayern. Yeah, so, like, personally, I'd be very happy if we consistently – uh, kept up with our efforts of Max Aarons. I think that would be a great additional signing, having Pavard and him in the ranks. And, you know, who knows what would happen with Chris Richards at the end of his loan spell at Hoffenheim. And shout out to him for getting his first Bundesliga clean sheet uh, last weekend. He was named in Sports Schau's Bundesliga Team of the Week. Uh, he was a great performance going up against fellow American Josh Sargent. Very glad to see that it's he's doing well uh, for Seb Honus at Hoffenheim. Uh, the next question it comes from at Paterman24, and they ask, is Alexander Nubel capable of being Manuel Neuer's successor, or is it time to sort of look elsewhere? I think that it's still too early to tell. I don't know if he's gotten the necessary starting time or playing time in general to uh, to fully conclude that he can be. He's I believe he's currently injured, so there's definitely not a good enough period to determine that. But I'll just say this. When Bayern got him, they got him on a free, and he was one of the best young goalkeepers. If he doesn't pan out, I'll just consider that unfortunate, but I won't consider that a major misstep on Bayern's behalf because any team should have done that. If I was the manager of Dortmund, I would have said to do that. If I was the manager of Leipzig, I would say to do that. If I was the manager of freaking, I don't know, Osnabrück, and he was available to me and no other uh, teams above me wanted to take him, I would do that, right? If, if one of the better players is available on a free and he is interested in signing for your club and your goalkeeper is not young and fantastic and instead he is just old and the best goalkeeper in the world, you still take that. You still take that opportunity because you don't know what the future holds. You don't know whether or not Manuel Neuer is going to have another major injury again, knock on wood, and you'd have to bring in somebody like Sven the Wall for your entire season. No, you want to have that insurance policy, and Nubel is a pretty darn good insurance policy for an insurance policy that costs them nothing in order to get. So, I don't know whether or not he will be, but I applaud Bayern for even taking the risk because I think you would have been dumb to not do it in the first place. Well, Jake, yeah, and the Nubel free transfer was just another part of Schalke's foolproof you know, immaculate transfer policies, wasn't it? They they just continue to take L's left and right uh, in every single transfer thing that they do. They truly are the Michael Jordan of taking L's in the transfer window. And yeah, I'm just not, I'm, I'm not going to talk anymore about Schalke. We've already played them twice. And as far as I'm concerned, they're bound to be playing uh, their 
football on Sundays in the Zweitliga. <laughs> Someone always has to be the best at something. But to answer the question, it, it's it's such a as a Bayern fan and a, a fan of the German national team, it's so awkward and like just bizarre to picture, you know, life without Neuer as your number one bona fide starting goalkeeper because it just so rarely happens. Yes, as you mentioned, Sven the Wall, Sven Allreich stood firm uh, and made a big impact in the season where Yup Heinkes came to the rescue. Uh, I can remember him with some penalty shootout heroics in Leipzig in the DFB Pokal uh, that season. Uh, even, why am I blanking on his name right now? Tom Stark had stood in a couple of games when he had been called back from retirement. Uh, but other than that, it's just so rare that we see someone else besides Manuel Neuer in the sticks. And I guess to answer this question, it was so awkward because after the, the transfer of Nubel had been announced... He was uh, was it David Wagner who had actually benched him, and he had had a like a, a horrid spell just after the transfer had been announced, and it was just like uh, concerning for a lot of Bayern fans, nonetheless Schalke fans, and um, I'm blanking on the guy that filled in for him. Schubert was a. Uh, it might have been Alexander Shvolov. It might have. I, I. It's like one of those things. Of course, I know it if I'm talking to someone about it, but now that we're on the pod, I'm I'm forgetting, but. Case in point, like I remember Nubel going through that very horrid spell and then uh, coming coming to Bayern, and we've hardly seen him. Maybe, what, two appearances uh, in the DFB Pokal and maybe once in the Champions League when we had already won the group. So it's a very difficult thing to say, but I guess I would just conclude my answer to this question by saying, you know, there's a reason why we went after him. There, there would be a reason why we sent him elsewhere if, if that decision is inevitably made at some point. But... I would just say somebody is, at some point is going to have to be Neuer's successor when it's his time to to go elsewhere or you know hang up his his gloves for good. But it, it's very sad to think of that day and seems impossible for Bayern fans because you just been around for so long and you know again he's another player like Thomas Muller, uh, fine wine. He just seems to get better with age. I thought he had a tremendous season uh, last season and route to the treble and just so many phenomenal saves that saved points for us, kept us in matches. I can remember um, a number of big saves he made against PSG, the Champions League final. So I guess that's what I'll say. Nubel, it, it could be him, but it's going to have to be somebody when that day comes. And uh, unfortunately, that day will come at some point for all of us Bayern and Germany fans. But I really don't want to think about that right now. Uh, and uh, Jake, I'm sure you don't either. So with that, we will just round out with the last question from at Obadravia, 22, I apologize if I if I butchered your handle. And they ask, should we sign Olympique Lyon's Hussam Ayar? And I am very sorry if I butchered that name as well, which I'm sure I did. Before I go into that, it wasn't it wasn't Alexander Shvolov. He's the goalkeeper at Hertha. Uh, I was thinking Marcus Schubert. Yes, that is. Uh, I knew it was Schubert. So, whether or not Bayern should sign Hussam Awar, uh, I'm going to say no for this reason and this reason only. Um... It's not because he's a good play- he's a bad player. He is not. He is a very good player. Uh, he's probably been one of the more underrated central midfielders in Europe these last couple of years, and you saw that in their run up to the semifinals of the UEFA Champions League. The reason why I think Bayern should not sign Usem Alwar is because he's probably going to cost upwards of sixty million euros and i don't think Bayern should bite the bullet on that more so i don't think Bayern need to spend 60 million on a central midfielder they don't need somebody that needs to start immediately they need somebody that can swap in and back up leon goretzka or Joshua kimmich somebody like florian neuhaus can do that someone like um I think he's on Lille, Kamavinga. Kamavinga can probably do that because he's still young and he still has a lot to offer, right? Byron's been linked with both of them. But Usam Alwar is going to cost a lot of money and it's fully deserved. I think Byron's in the place where they would try to argue that down and I don't even think Lyon should take anything less than about like 50 million for him and if Byron just spent 50 million on Leroy Sané I doubt they're going to spend another 50 million on a center midfielder that is going to be competing with Goretzka and Kimmich they brought in Sané for 50 million because they needed somebody to be that third winger to rotate on and off and be as good as Kingsley Coman or Serge Gnabry 
let alone if either of them went down, they would need somebody like that. If one of your central midfielders goes down, as we're seeing right now with somebody like Quentin So, right, you have a lot of backups there. You got Mark Rocca, you got uh, Jamal Musiala, you got David Alaba that can come up and play in that double pivot. Not to mention you've got Kimmich and Goretzka, one of the best double pivots in the world as of right now. So, Awar deserves to go to a place where he will get consistent, nonstop starting time, and I don't think Bayern is that place for him. So, I'm going to say no, but he is an absolutely capable player. That will be fantastic on another team. Unless, of course, that team is Arsenal, in which place they will absolutely destroy him. <laughs> uh, cough, cough, Nicola Pepe, cough, cough. <laughs> but yeah, I have to agree with you, Jake. And I would just have to add that I think uh, Salih Hamadic, Flick, Ali Khan, uh, Herbert Heiner, they're doing everything they can to explore every option. And I just think for the price that you had mentioned being the one huge issue, I think that our our board is doing a, a tremendous job looking in places that are more financially feasible, uh, where they can do better, smarter business. Uh, as you mentioned, Gladbach's Florian Neuhaus would be one of those candidates. Kamavinga as well from Lille, who are somehow in first in League One right now. Uh, it's probably one of the leagues I don't watch very much of, so I'm pretty much basing everything uh, off of where, off of last year's Champions League run-in, us playing. Uh, and you can probably remember a lot of Bayern fans will probably agree ever since or up until Serge Gnabry's goal, Leon were giving us quite a scare and quite a run for our money. And he was one of those guys that was that was involved in one of the standout players from the run up uh, to the semifinals. But for all the reasons, Jake, that you had mentioned, I, I think our business is going to be elsewhere. And I think he'd be better suited to perhaps move somewhere else someone who's looking to spend that kind of money, someone who's more in need of a player of his position. Um, so I, I I think that that's what would wind up happening if he, in fact, does wind up uh, leaving Lyon this season or perhaps even next winter. But with that, that's going to wrap it up for our Ask BPW segment. Just want to reiterate, thanks again, all you guys, for asking your questions, getting them in so quick. Uh, I kind of sent out the tweet a little bit later in the day than I, than I would have hoped, got busy at my actual day job, uh, but again, thanks, you guys, a whole bunch. It gave us plenty to talk about. I thoroughly enjoy discussing those topics uh, with Jake. But with that, that's going to wrap up this episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. We would just ask, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on whatever streaming platform that you use to listen, to download, uh, leave reviews if you can. It's always beneficial. Be sure to check out BavarianFootballWorks.com for all of your Bayern Munich and Die Mannschaft news. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks, at TommyAdam71, at Jefferson Fenner, and our trusty partner, Chuck Smith, who is sometimes on the pod, sometimes not because he's a busy super dad, at the Barrel Blog. But thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed as much as we did. Until next time, Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs>